0: The um, the importance. Side to remember you to worship you to ascribe and give you glory, uh, Lord. We thank you uh, for the constables, and we know that um, that they are going through some difficult times with cancer. Lord, would you help them fight well? I pray that. Um, that uh, they would be a witness to the nurses and the doctors that are in their care, and that uh, Mike would would suffer well as he deals with uh, with his cancer. Lord, right now, we focus our hearts and our affections upon you. We ask that as we open our Bibles, Lord, that, that you would speak. We thank you that when we do so, we hear from heaven. The Holy Spirit wrote those words. And he wants us to hear him this morning. Would you use this time in in all of our lives? In Jesus'
1: name we pray. Amen. All right. Amen. Good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? By a show of hands. Let me know. I'm just kidding. Just in the comments or in the chat if you want to just put how you're doing. I would love to hear from you and thanks for joining. I know this is uh, week two of us doing Facebook Live uh, as the gathering and so thanks for being um, if there's any technical glitches uh, we're still working through those so let us know if there's any uh, issues hearing or seeing um, as we come to you live from uh, from the Newman's house this morning. Great so um, this morning we're going to talk continuing this, this theme or this series on kings different kings in the bible and issues of the heart and so we're going to continue that focus this morning i'm praying for peace safety for everyone out there i know this has been a very unique very difficult time for many just all of the different uh things you're navigating that we're all navigating as uh as this coronavirus uh um, impacts all of our lives in in very real ways Uh, so thank you again for joining virtually Um, Over the last few weeks, like I mentioned, we've been looking at kings. The theme continues today as we look at King Asa, and we're going to be looking at 2 Chronicles uh, chapters 14 through 16. Our focus today will be on the reliant heart. We've been talking about different hearts. Last week Paul talked about uh, King Solomon and the idea of a half-hearted king, the the way that he um, led well and then didn't lead well, just a conflicted heart, a divided heart, and we're going to continue that focus as we look at King Asa. So first things first. Uh, freshman orientation for me in college. I was in Minnesota, Minneapolis, Minnesota, downtown, and I was um, in our freshman orientation. So we were uh, all introducing ourselves, and I thought this was a great chance for me. Um, being about two hours north, I didn't really know many people at the college that I was going to, and I thought, this is my chance to to kind of go by a new identity. So growing up, you know, the name Plant, I like the name, but it used to be Plante, which I always thought sounded so cool. And uh, I knew one of my cousins had started introducing himself with the last name Plant, just a little bit of a different accent. And I thought, hey, this is my chance. Plant, I can say Plant or La Plont. And so when it got to my turn in, during introductions during the orientation, I stood up and I said, My name is Joe Plant, and I'm from Cloquet, Minnesota. And I forgot that my roommate and friend since middle school was there. And he shouted out, he said, Your name's Plant, Joe. And as soon as he said that, I sat down embarrassed, I realized this is not my clean start. My name is Plant. It's always been Plant as far as I've been alive, and it continues to be Plant to this day. Uh, But the reason I'm starting with that is when we look at King Asa, as I was reading, as I was listening to different podcasts about the life of King Asa, there were certain ministers that used the word or pronounced it Asa instead of Asa. And I'm just going to set the record straight at the beginning here. We're going to go with Asa. It's just what I've been used to saying, and hopefully for you as well. Asa is the pronunciation we're going to go with this morning. All right, so King Asa was the third king of Judah. Solomon, then Rehoboam, then Abijah, and then Asa. So when we talked about King Solomon last week, that was King Asa's great-grandfather. Asa's father was three years and was not a good king. In 1 Kings 15.3, it says, And he, Abijah, walked in all the sins that his father did before him. And his heart was not wholly true to God. And the words there, those two words for heart and wholly true, uh, the words are lavav shalem, and it means wholehearted devotion, this idea of having a whole heart towards God. And what it's saying about I did not have wholehearted devotion, that his heart was not whole towards God, that it was uh, clearly not dedicated to God in the way he lived his, his life or in his reign. We're going to come back to that phrase because we're going to talk about the reliant heart this morning. And we're, going to, we're going to continue to see that phrase, uh, love, blame, or wholehearted devotion to God as we look at King Ace's life. Uh, We're going to spend a lot of time reading. Again, there's three different chapters that we're focused on, which is a lot of content. And and I want to make sure I'm not just taking certain verses out of the context here. So I'm going to ask Mike to come up and read uh, a few different passages, uh, first in chapter 14, then in chapter 15, and then also chapter 16, uh, as we look at King Asa's life. And the different chapters really do tell different stories of King Asa's ministry and his reign. Um, As we look at them, we're going to also explore some of the words in them. I love words. I'm a words guy. I love songwriting. I love playing Scrabble. All those things that are word related, and so wanted to focus on a few words that really have uh, extra meaning in these in these passages that we'll look at this morning. So with that, we're gonna we're gonna start in chapter 14, and I'd ask Mike to come up. We're gonna look at Asa's prayer in particular, but I'm gonna ask him to read uh, the first 12 verses of chapter 14 in uh, Second Chronicles.
0: All right friends, let's read God's word together. Go ahead and take out your Bibles and join with me. 2nd Chronicles chapter 14. Our just slept with his fathers and they buried him in the city of David. And Asa, his son reigned in his place. In these days the land had rest for 10 years. And Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. He took away the foreign altars and the high places and broke down the pillars and cut down the ashram and commanded Judah to seek the Lord and the God of their fathers and to keep the law and He also took out all the cities of Judah and the high places and the incense altars and the kingdom had rest under him. He built fortified cities in Judah for the land had rest. He had no war in those years, for the Lord gave him peace. Verse 7, And he said to Judah, Let us build these cities and surround them with walls and towers, gates and bars. The land is still ours because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought him, and he has given us peace on every side. So they built and prospered. And Asa had an army of three hundred thousand from Judah, armed with large shields and spears, and two hundred and eighty thousand men from Benjamin that carried shields and drew bows. All these were mighty men of valor. Here's verse nine. Zerah the Ethiopian came out against the army of a million men and three hundred chariots and came as far as Marashot. And Asa went out to meet him. And they drew battle in the valley of Zephath at Marisha. And Asa cried to the Lord his God, "O Lord, there is none like you to help between the mighty and the weak. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rely on you. And in your name we have come against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God. Let not man prevail against you." And so the lord defeated the ethiopians before asa
1: and before judah and the ethiopians fled all right thank you mike uh some really great stuff there in in asa's life as he starts his reign and as there's this peace in in uh in judah because of the way he leads and there's a couple of verses within those 12 that mike read that i really want us to focus on in particular this verse 11 and i'm going to reread it here but it's called Asa. and in verse 11 it says asa cried to the lord his god o lord there is none like you to help between the mighty and the weak help us o lord our god for we rely on you and then come against this multitude so verse 11 this this idea of reliance on god uh, asa is declaring it for himself declaring it for the land of judah that they rely on God and they recognize against overwhelming odds. you know, It was about two to one in this battle, uh, recognizing they needed God's help, that they needed God to uh, give them the victory and that they relied on him for it. So a good start. Uh, King Asa has started well in his, in his reign, uh, but we'll read more about some of the other uh, things that happen uh, in years to come here. Asa knows his reliance needs to be on God. A recognition that God is the source of what we need, and that word, when it talks about Asa cried out, the word for cried, it's like the cry of an animal. It's something that's this guttural articulated, but just this complete dependency, this this just screaming out in, in need that God would help meet that need. Victor Hugo, one of my favorite authors, uh, author of Les Mis and many other books, said, even if it's not said, certain thoughts are prayers. There are moments when, whatever be the attitude of the body, the soul is on its knees. And this idea, kind of like in the verse, even if we don't always verbalize it or articulate it the right way, this this idea of just being on our knees before God, this dependency, this need for him, this reliance on him, even when our words do not do justice to that need or to that dependency. The word for for rely that's used here is the same that's used in Proverbs 3, uh, verse 5 and 6. When it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. So this word for rely is the same word that's used for lean in Proverbs 3.5. Do not lean on your own understanding. Don't rely on yourself or really anything but God. This idea in Proverbs 3.5 that if we rely on ourselves, we're, we're uh, going to fail. But this reliance on God will give us a uh, place. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, reading on in verse 6 in Proverbs uh, chapter three. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight, or He will direct your paths. the word for acknowledge there, acquaint yourself with, or to be aware of. So, acquaint yourself, get to know God, be aware of God and His presence. This reliance on Him, leaning on Him, as you get to know Him more. Eric Little, you may have heard of, he was the uh, Olympian, he was the subject of the movie Chariots of Fire. Uh, In 1924, he was scheduled to compete in the Olympics, I believe in Paris. And his best event was 100 meters, and because they were going to hold the event on a Sunday, he declined to compete on a Sunday because of his faith, and so they uh, allowed him to move to the 400 meter race, which was not his specialty. 400 meter race, he set a world record, and uh, when they're asking him about his his game plan or how he approached the race, this is what he said. He said, "The secret of my success over the 400 meters is that I run the first 200 meters." as fast as I can, then for the second 200 meters, with God's help, I run faster. He phrased it, and if you could picture it in a Scottish accent, I think that's how he would have said it, not in my Minnesotan accent. But that ending of how he described it, with God's help, this recognition that even when he had hit his limit, maybe the 200 meters he started with was at his full capacity with everything he had, but with God's help, there'd be more. be more in the tank to get him through the last 200 meters as well all right we're going to continue looking back at king asa here so this idea of the unshakable heart that's reliant on god and as we read about in chapter 14 we looked at asa's life and this cry he had this crying out to god recognizing his reliance and really the the whole country's reliance on god now looking in chapter 15 we're going to hear about uh, azariah's prophecy I'm gonna ask Mike to come up and read uh, the first eight verses of chapter 15.
0: Here's 2 Chronicles, uh, chapter 15, verses one through eight. The Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Obed, and he went out to meet Asa, and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin The Lord is with you while you are with Him. If you seek Him, He will be found by you. But if you forsake Him, He will forsake you. For a long time Israel was without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. But when in their distress they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought Him, He was found by them. In those times, There was no peace to him who went out or to him who came in, for great disturbances afflicted all the inhabitants of the land. They were broken in pieces. Nation was crushed by nation and city by city, for God troubled them with every sort of distress. But you, take courage. Do not let your hands be weak. work shall be rewarded. And here's verse 8. As soon as Asa heard these words, the prophecy of Azariah, the son of Obed, he took courage and put away the detestable idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities that he had taken in the hill country of Ephraim. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was in the front of the house of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord.
1: All right, thank you, Mike. We we continue reading about King Asa's life, and like in chapter 14, here in chapter 15, Asa continues to rely on God. We're going to focus really on just a couple of the the, the words and and really looking at um, verses 2 and 8 here when it looks at Asa's life. In verse 2 again, he went out to meet Asa, talking about Azariah, and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek Him, He will be found by you. But if you forsake Him... The word there for if you seek Him is darash. And it means, or or the visual behind it is like a path that has been beaten down, that's been trampled. That it is the way to go. If you you imagine like a hiking trail or a, a deer path in the woods. It's become the, the normal path. It's, it's the way to go. It's, it's your habit. It's your, it's your routine to take that path. It is something that um, you're doing habitually. So this idea of seeking Him being your normal way of doing things, that it is a daily practice or a, you know, a frequent practice that you are seeking God. And it, and it says here that if you seek Him, you will find Him. But then the warning that if you forsake him, and the word for forsake is like a loosening of a bond, like a separation or a leaving of something. If you forsake him, he will forsake you. In other words, we could read that verse to say, if you make the pursuit of him your habit, your path, you will find him. If you loose bonds with him, he will loose bonds with you. If we were going to say that differently. This idea of make God your path, make Him your destination, make make it so recognizable that there is a clear path to take. If you're walking in the woods and you see a path, you take it, right? It's, it's pretty rare that you would venture off into brush and, and uh, the clutter of the woods. You want to continue to take that path that's safe, that's recognizable, that is is the normal path to take. Make it normal. And then looking at verse... It says, as soon as Asa heard these words from Azariah, the prophecy of Azariah, the son of Oed, he took courage. And from there we see Asa taking many different actions, uh, tearing down idols, um, setting up and rebuilding parts of the temple. Things that um, are, again, a sign or a representation of his reliance on God and his trust in God. Taking courage, the word here for take courage is kazak, and it means to give strong support. Another way to look at it would be a bond, like an adhesion, something that is really inseparable. And one of the things I read as I was looking at this is um, the idea of the house being on fire and the fire being in the house. It's like you can't even really separate them, right? If something's on fire, if a piece of wood's on fire, you can't really separate the wood and the fire from each other. So this idea of adhesing so closely or adhering so closely that you can't tell the two apart. So the word Kazakh here, giving strong support. I know in my shoes, the shoes I'm wearing, I've got a little bit of wood glue holding the uh, the sole and the shoe together. Uh, gorilla glue, whatever that thing is that holds something together. Maybe this isn't a maybe this is a fashion uh, faux pas here, but the idea of glue bonding things together and holding it close. We get that imagery here when we talk about Asa taking courage. He's bonding himself to, he's adhering to God, relying on God. And you have to take it. There's an action required. It's a verb. Asa had to take courage to look for that strong support from God. In verse 17, which we didn't read, uh, it talks about how Asa's heart was wholly devoted. And it uses those words that I mentioned when we read in 1 Kings 15.3. It talked about how his father, King Abijah, um, did not have a wholly devoted heart to God. But here when we're reading about Asa's life, in verse 17, chapter 15, it says, that he had a, um, a wholly devoted heart to God, untouched or unviolated. Again, the same words, lavab shalem, wholehearted devotion to God. Do not let your heart's devotion become contaminated or diluted. Do not lose your way. In this challenging time when we were using and seeing words like social distancing and quarantining and flattening the curve and schools are closed, gyms are closed, most things are closed at this point. Uh, measures that we take to protect ourselves or that the government takes to protect us. But what do we do, what measures do we take to protect ourselves from reverting to reliance on ourselves? What measures or steps do we take to completely and, and fully have a heart that's devoted to God, to completely and fully have a reliance on God and God's help? It can be hard. I know for myself, uh, there's a lot of things that I can rely on at times when I shouldn't, or things that at least give me peace of mind that maybe they shouldn't. Things I try to accumulate or or gather or prepare that that uh, then cause open something that can't meet that need. What you rely on can be seen by where you look for help, and we, we sang it this morning. When we we basically the lyrics of the song. Years ago, during one of the hardest uh, times in my life, uh, I think I've forward, and uh, that phrase: eyes upward, heart outward, feet forward. Uh, we had it painted alongside our family verse, and it's hanging in the hallway at our house. It all starts with eyes upward. If we're not looking to God. the heart outward and the feet forward parts don't really matter as much. They flow from this starting point of our focus being on God first. Our recognition of needing to have our eyes on God, our reliance on God, that He is really the only help um, that that we can't meet those needs on our own. So come what may in your life, where do you look? I know for, for our churches here, for the For the Landon and Lebanon and and Mainville churches in the YMCA, we have the up arrow, the out arrow, and the the in arrow, and that up arrow, I think is meant to represent the same thing. This focus on God, this worship of God, that he would be our our starting point in our lives and in in our church. Another verse in Psalm 46.1 says God is a very uh, presence, help in trouble, and another Version of it says God is a very well-proved help in trouble that every time you go to him Every time you recognize your reliance on his help on his support. uh, He's faithful. He proves himself over and over again He's well-proved help in times of trouble growing up I had um, I still have uh, some uncles that kind of shaped my life. Uh, One of those uncles was my uncle Rick And a lot of my memories uh, of time with Rick growing up were playing sports. Uh, He was kind of my golf coach. As I was in middle school and into high school, we would go golfing together a lot. And I remember one of the things he would always say, his his advice, his golf tip for me, um, he would say, hey, keep your head down, keep your eye on the ball, and I'll watch where it goes. That was, I I can hear him saying it now. Keep your head down, keep your eye on the ball, and I'll watch where it goes. And his, his reminder was, you know, for me, I would I would close my eyes as soon as I was about to hit the ball, or I would, you know, I would try so hard to hit the ball as far as I could that I would get distracted and I'd take my eye off that small part of the ball I needed to focus on. And it was it was the starting point. It was the tip I needed in order to be able to actually hit the ball at first and then to hit it where it needed to go. Keep your head down, keep your eye on the ball, and I'll watch where it goes. Similar to that golf tip of keeping your eyes on the ball, keep your eyes upward on him and you'll be in the right place. That starting point, that tip that we all need, where do you look for help? Where are your eyes when things get hard, when things get tough? Most of Asa's 41 year reign was peaceful, and we've already read just of some of the things Asa has done in response to uh, this prophecy of Azariah, but even before that, some of the actions he took recognizing his reliance on God, and being faithful in the actions he took um, as a result of that reliance. But there's more, and we're going to move on to chapter 16 here, and uh, I'm going to ask Mike to come up and read uh, chapter 16, uh, the first nine verses. Chapter 16.
0: In the thirty-sixth year of the reign of Asa, Bashah, king of Israel, went up against Judah and built Ramah, that he might permit no one to go out or come in to Asa, king of Judah. Then Asa took silver and gold from the treasures of the house of the Lord and the king's house and sent them to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, who lived in Damascus, saying, there is a covenant between me and you, and there was between my father and your father. Behold, I am sending you silver and gold. Go, break your covenant with Basha, king of Israel, that he may withdraw from me. And Ben-Hadad listened to king Asa and sent the commanders of his armies against the cities of Israel, and they conquered Ejon. Dan, Abelmaim, and all the store cities of Naphtali. And when Bashah heard of it, he stopped building Ramah and let his work cease. Verse 6, Then King Asa took all Judah, and they carried away the stones of Ramah and its timber with which Bashah had been building, and with them he built Geba and
1: Mizpah. All right. I asked Mike to read all the hard words and the hard verses, and then I'm going to reread a couple of the easier words in here. So thank you, Mike, for, for reading uh, from each of the chapters. So here we, we read about King Asa going up against uh, King Basha, or Basha and um, the odds are, are more in Asa's favor here than they were before, when we read about the, the million-plus that he went against, and he relied on God and was not afraid. Here, against lesser odds or better odds, Uh, he takes other measures. He takes matters into his own hands. He stops relying on God. Now, I really want to focus on three verses within that passage that Mike just read. Verses 7 through 9. At that time, Hanani the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you relied on the king of Syria and did not rely on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Syria has escaped you. Were not the Ethiopians and the Libyans a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he gave them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose hearts or heart is blameless toward him. I love that last verse. In this verse, we're going to talk a little bit more about this morning. Verse 9, where it talks about the eyes of the Lord look to and fro. He's actively aggressively searching for those whose hearts are wholly relying on his help. In verse nine, this, this idea of that he may give strong support, the word there is the same word that we read about earlier with King Asa, where it says he took courage. Again, the word is kazak, it's the same word. So in, in chapter 15, we talk about King Asa taking courage, grabbing hold of it, bonding himself to God's strength, bonding himself to God's provision in, in this need that he has, in this reliance on God. And here we have the same verb or the same word being used where God is saying I'm looking to give that strong support. I'm looking to bond myself, to those that have wholehearted devotion to me and recognize their need, their reliance, that need help. Another translation says that he might show his might, that he might show his power. This idea of taking courage or giving courage the bonding strength of adhesive, inseparable, like we read earlier, the house being on fire and fire being in the house, you can't separate the two, that the bond is so strong. Here God is looking to give that strength, looking to show himself mighty, to bond his strength for those who look for and rely on his help. It's who God is and what he does. This isn't a part-time hobby or just something that happens on weekends. God is looking constantly, to and fro for someone whose heart is wholly blameless, or again, wholly devoted is the word. And, and blameless does not mean sinless. It means whole, wholly given over to, that it, That this idea of dedicating ourselves to or being devoted to God. And, and we see again the same phrase, lavav shalem, wholehearted devotion to God. You've probably heard of, I'm sure, uh, Billy Graham. And uh, in 1945, Billy Graham began filling auditoriums, across America. But there were two other ministers uh, that were also filling audi- or filling auditoriums at that time, uh, Chuck Templeton and Bron Clifford. And, and I'm guessing you haven't heard their names. I know I hadn't. Um, within five years, though, looking at 1945, there, there were th- these three ministers that were all doing amazing things and, and people were coming to know God through their ministries. And in fact, Billy Graham at, at that time was, was less known in some cases than Bron Clifford and Chuck Templeton. But after just five years, Chuck Templeton left the ministry to pursue a career as a radio and television commentator, newspaper columnist, and decided he was no longer a believer in Christ in the orthodox sense. Meanwhile, within nine years, so before 1955, um, Brown Clifford had lost his family, his ministry, his health, and then his life. At just 35 years, this once great preacher died from cirrhosis of the liver in a rundown motel. So like Asa, they started well, they relied on God, they looked to God and recognized that He is the help they need, that He was the help they need, but they lost their way. They started looking for other things or looking to other things, their reliance changed. They had less than a wholly devoted heart to God. And as I read about you know, King Asa, as I, as I hear about Ron Clifford and Chuck Templeton, the thing I struggled with and I continue to wrestle with is why? What causes them or what caused them what causes us to, to move from this reliance on God, this trust on God, trust in God, to this reliance on anything else, whether it's ourselves or whether it's something around us Was it fear? Was it pride? What is it that causes us to, to take matters into our own hands? In Isaiah 51-12 God says, I, I am he who comforts you Who are you that you are afraid of man who dies, of the son of man that is made like grass? Pastor John Piper says, doesn't it strike you as strange when he says, who are you that you are afraid? God regards fear of men as a manifestation of pride. It's presumptuous. It presumes to take over a responsibility for our comfort, which God has said he wants to handle. And I just love that, for me, it, it, it kind of clicked this all together, this idea of me thinking it was fear, but fear is a sign of pride. That when we're afraid, it's because we, we can't comfort ourselves, we can't gather things enough to be able to reduce that fear, but that's a sign of pride because we're trying to comfort ourselves, we're trying to fill a void or fill a need that we can't. We're trying to be self-reliant when we need to be God-reliant. God wants to handle those things. Who are you to be afraid? Or who do you think you are that you are afraid? I have lyrics in a song of mine called I Wish that says no matter how much I have I'm still scared to be broke. I know growing up for me um, we we had little and I think uh, as I've grown older there's still in me this this temptation this challenge of trying to give myself assurance of trying to compile things or preserve things or protect things or to uh, to build enough up that, uh, that I won't be afraid, but that is not the way to handle the fear. That's not the way to to tackle or manage that fear. Fear is pride, the presumption that we are our own comfort, strength, or provision. C.S. Lewis said, Pride is a spiritual cancer. It eats up the very possibility of love or contentment. So when we talk about King Asa and we talk about Ron Clifford, Chuck Templeton, when we talk about our own lives, to be on the guard for what fear can drive in our lives. To to be on the guard for trying to rely on anything but God when we need Him. And we need Him all the time. Putting our eyes on God as our help is a sign of humility. It's a recognition knowing His place and our reliance on Him. It's a recognition of our own place and our dependency on Him. Uh, Last week, we sang the song, It Is Well With My Soul, and in 1871, he lost most of his real estate uh, wealth in the Chicago Fire of uh, 1871. That same year, he lost his four-year-old son to scarlet fever. And then just two years later, while his wife and four daughters were crossing the Atlantic um, heading to England for a vacation and he was planning to join them, but he got held up with work and so would be traveling separately, um, the ship collided with another ship and ultimately all four of his daughters uh, were lost at sea and uh, upon arriving on the shore, his wife Hannah sent a telegram to Horatio and part of that telegram said, saved alone. What shall I do?" And as he immediately boarded a ship um, to join her in England, he wrote the lyrics to It Is Wealth, My Soul. And when I read that, it's such a devastating story, just thinking of these daughters aged between 2 and 11, these four daughters, not only that, but having lost his son and lost his wealth, and just the the tragedies that he endured and his wife endured as well. Unimaginable, and just this tragedy at sea. Just even reading of the account of the of the collision of the ships, just a just a, a crisis that, that uh, was just sad to read about. But in the midst of all this, here's Horatio Spafford, in response, and well, traveling the same Atlantic Sea or Atlantic Ocean, excuse me, uh, writes the lyrics to this song. One of the verses of that song says, "Though Satan should buffet, the trial should come." let this blessed assurance control, that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. Now, word buffet, uh, not a word I use, I'm not sure about you, um, but it means a blow as with a hand or a fist, a violent, like a concussion-like blow. If the wind buffets the windows of your house, it rattles the house. It's like an earthquake where it just can shake you to your core, just, you know, loosens your teeth, kind of a blow. That even though, and just to reread that, that verse, even though Satan should rattle you to your core, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control. And I love that word, blessed assurance. This idea that the dependency on God, the reliance on God is unshakable. It is a, an assurance. It's a guarantee. Mike has mentioned uh, in weeks before, and I think Paul mentioned it last week as well, this verse in 2nd Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12, and the first part of that verse, or maybe it's the last part of that verse, says, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And when I read about Horatio Spafford's wife in the telegram saying, um, saved alone, what shall I do? This thought here as well of, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. So even when we don't have the answers, even when it's crisis mode, even when all appears lost, our eyes being on him as a starting point, where do you look for help? The unfortunate thing for Asa's life is when the odds were against him, he relied on God, but in in the normal and the the less uh, intimidating, in in the round with King Basha, that's where he took matters into his own hand. And I think sometimes that's the case for us as well. When life hits us hard and when it's an emergency, then we're like, oh, we have to turn to God. And, and whether you have a relationship with a God or not, I think a lot of people, when they reach an emergency in life, start thinking about prayer or start calling out God's name or recognize, I need help beyond myself. But it's not just in the emergency you know, modes that we need Him. It's in the daily. It's in the routine. It's in the manage- the management and the maintenance of life, our dependency on Him. And don't lull to sleep in those moments when it doesn't seem like an emergency, and we think we have it. We think, oh, I can manage this on my own, or I can do this on my own. Because then we, we set, kind of going back to that word I used earlier, then we start setting a path. We start trampling a path in that direction of self-reliance instead of continuing to, to trample, to beat down a path towards God-reliance. Asa looked to God for most of his reign, Again, a 41-year reign, but turn to other, lesser assurances near the end. We too can so easily seek reliance from lesser things and succumb to or give ourselves to diluted devotion. Where do you find your security? In these times, and really in all times, we're tempted to take matters into our own hands due to fear, due to pride, due to bad habits, to try stockpiling our security, to rely on fake certainty. If only I had this, we might say, or if only I could do that. If when I get to this, or when I get enough of that, we want peace of mind, and we do all these things to try to get it. But we can't manufacture it. We can't expect it from the world we live in, the people that we interact with, the amount that we amass, or the safeguards we put in place to protect it. It can only be sustained through reliance on God. Learn from Asa's story. Stay faithful, and like we talked about with Eric Little, with God's help. Have a heart reliant on God every day. This is a marathon. This is a life that at at times things will rattle you to your core, will jar your teeth loose, kind of a life. And in all those moments, stay faithful. Don't lose your way. Don't lose the path. Continue to make habits that keep you on the right path. Have a heart reliant on God. God is looking to be your help, to give his might for those who need help, for those with undiluted or whole devotion to him. And I love, just to kind of close this morning, um, I love the, the verse we we had concluded with in 2 Chronicles 16, 9. It talks about God's eyes looking to and fro. Let me reread it here. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless or whole towards Him. God is looking. God wants to give help, wants to extend help. But what He's looking for is us to look to Him, us to rely on Him, and us to recognize our need for Him. He wants to give strong support, but we need to acknowledge we need help. And I know in these times um, people are afraid. And again, maybe in all times we're afraid. Sometimes it uh, feels more real, feels more stressful, feels more clear on what's driving that fear or that, um, that trouble, but uh, in all things, give it to God. Lean not on your own understanding. Don't lean on yourself. Don't try to be self-reliant. Have a heart reliant on God. I wanna close in prayer this morning, and we're gonna, we're gonna sing that song that we sang earlier again uh, from one tw- Psalm 121. I lift my eyes up. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Let's, uh, let's close in prayer this morning. Dear God, we thank you that you are looking, constantly looking, God, to give help, to show your might, to give strong support to those who need it so much. And God, we need you. God, we have real need. I pray that you would help protect our hearts, God, help us to rely on you. God, for all those things that we sometimes try to make it for all those things we try to rely on in, in ourselves or in the things around us or in wealth or in jobs or in whatever else it might be god i just pray that we would we would stop thinking that that will be the answer stop thinking that that will meet the need or that that will stay secure god so much is uncertain so much is out of our control but we know that uh, that's not out of your control god Help us to rely on you. Help us to learn from King Asa's story, from his life. Help us to start well, but help us to finish well, God. Help us to stay reliant. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen.
0: Thanks, Joe. Uh, it is good to be with you guys um, over the internet. Um, we long to be with you in person, and I think the scriptures put such a value of the presence, the ministry of presence, and so we Long to be together and take communion uh, once again, uh, to sing, to pray with one another, but for now, um, endure well um, and uh, draw near to your church family as creative and as as best as you can. Uh, Be safe, be prudent, um, be deliberate to reach out to your community groups and minister to them, check on them, care for one another, love one another, and uh, let's go to the Lord. with uh, lifting up our eyes to Him for this last song.